We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 380. Our guest today started as a little Western rider, and when she was six years old, she found the adrenaline rush that is jumping and transitioned to eventing. She has never really been a huge fan of the dressage portion, but with a lot of work and perseverance and some really great training, she has really honed in on dressage, and she just is such a force in the eventing world. She has had two international debuts and is really working hard to get to the top of the sport. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Alyssa Phillips. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to hear more about your story, but rewind to the beginning. How did you first get started in the horse world? I actually, so I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, and I lived just outside of Fort Worth in a little country town called Azle, Texas. And my neighbors, their daughter did all of the rodeo stuff. And so I think they put me on my first horse when I was about two, you know, just plopped me up there. And then I was pretty much over at their farm um, every day. (laughs) So I actually started out, I started out Western. Yeah. And I did all of the lead line stuff. And I think I was about four or five when I did that. And then um, we moved into Fort Worth and I found a barn that was closer to us and they were an equestrian barn and like an English barn. And I was like, I'm not going to give up my cowboy boots. I'm not going to give up my jeans. I'm not going to wear the tight breeches. I'm not, I'm not doing all that. And then once I started jumping and um, going cross country and doing all of that, I was like, okay, this is actually really fun. And then I was like, but I'm still not going to give up my jeans and my my cowboy boots. And then I had a a sitting trot lesson maybe one day when I was trying <laughs> to learn how to do all of that. They took away my stirrups and my cowboy boots kept falling off. So then uh-huh. I was like, all right, fine. I guess I guess it's time for me to make the switch <laughs> and get all the proper equipment. And then, you know, it, it just took off from there. Um, so I started eventing when I was seven with my first pony and we did all of that. And here we are, however many years later, wow. I'm still doing it, still, still very much in love with it. That's so cool. Um, from what I've seen, it's not really a secret that dressage was not your favorite discipline in eventing how did you push through like not liking it at all in order to really thrive at eventing yes I've always I've never been a fan of dressage however I've come to really appreciate it because it's you know the fundamentals of everything we do for our jumping and I actually have a really great trainer in Ocala Florida Um, his name is Baron Hellebron he is right down the street from my farm and he's made me think about it in a whole new way and it's really fun for me now and I really 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 enjoy it 
And so I've been training with him for maybe two years now. Okay. And dressage has gotten a lot better for me. And now I actually enjoy it and I'm having fun and my horses are happy too. So it's a win-win. <laughs> Seriously, that's so cool. Would you say dressage is still your least favorite part of eventing? Probably just because the, um, you know, the jumping is so, so fun. And that's what I think us eventers, we live for, we live for the cross country. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't dislike it as much as I used to. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Your father was a big influence in the early part of your eventing career. Um, I yes. was sorry to hear he passed away in 2012, but what influence did he have on your eventing career? He made me the competitor that I am mm. and he made me super competitive just with myself okay and he was at every horse show before I was just all the moms at the barn taking you know all the kids to the mm-hmm. horse show and then all of a sudden my dad was like I'll just come with y'all one weekend and see what you're talking about and so mm-hmm. once he came to his first horse show then he was hooked and then oh. all the other dads at the barn started to come to the horse shows and then it was you know this big instead of just the moms and their daughters at the horse show it was like this big family outing for everybody now at all these horse shows so it was super super fun um and yeah he he was very very competitive and um that rubbed off on me and so I think you know I was 14 years old and I'd make one little mistake and I'd you know be so 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 hard on myself you know as you move up the levels you kind of have to think about it and as soon as I moved up to advance I'm like you know what I don't know why I put that much pressure on myself when I was that young because you know if I make it around this advanced track without 20 penalties like that is a great day for me mm-hmm. and then you can just you know build up from there but I'm glad I kind of gave myself a reality check when I was younger because I was a little too competitive <laughs> <laughs> As a lot of us are. Um, And I feel like that sometimes just comes with the sport where, you know, you're really consistently striving for perfection. And Mm -hmm. that's not always the case. But you've been very dedicated to getting to the top of the eventing sport, working with some of the best mentors and trainers. Tell me a little bit about who you're currently working with. So I currently work with I so me being in Ocala year round now I've branched off on my own but I work with Baron like I mentioned for dressage and then um, I ride with Leslie Law and Mike Huber he's actually Mike Huber I bought the farm from him and he's just across the street now so you know he he thought he was gonna retire and get to play a lot of golf and uh I'm kind of (laughs) roping him back into uh, (laughs) to doing a little bit of coaching so yeah it's I have really great people around me and um, I am super fortunate to be in the position that I'm in and be surrounded by such great people. Yeah. You were recently the traveling reserve for Team USA at the Pan American Games. Tell me a little bit about that experience and for those listening who maybe don't know what the traveling reserve does. First of all, it was an amazing experience Mm -hmm. um, just to be able to go and you know, be behind the scenes and watch everything that happens and just soak up all that knowledge. Yeah, that was um, super important for me and, you know, the future of my career. So for the traveling reserve role, basically, you know, you get named to this position and you have to have your horse conditioned and prepped 
as if they are going to show. So they're ready just in case, you know, something does happen. Um, so my horse, Oscar, he was prepared like he was going to compete. And he did all the gallops with the team. And he flew on the plane down there with everybody else. And then, you know, we trotted up through the first jog. And if we were needed, we would have been ready to step in. So that is the role of the traveling reserve is to be there to support everybody and cheer everybody on, but also be there just in case, you know, a fluke happens and you need to step up into the Mm -hmm. team team role. But the games this year in Santiago, the grounds were unbelievable. I thought they did an amazing job. It was absolutely stunning. And they had a really, really, really great um, crowd. All, all There were so many people that came out to support and everybody was cheering. And I think they actually sold out all their tickets on Cross Country oh, Day, which was awesome. So cool. But I really enjoyed the experience. And Oscar, my horse, he's just a cool cucumber. So he didn't mind all the traveling and any of that. And he had a, a great time himself. He was a little bit confused, though. He was like, I know this is a pretty big party, but I why am I not competing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, it was so fun. And I'm very grateful for the experience. And hopefully, you know, I can carry what I learned forward to future team experiences. Right. And what a unique opportunity to, it's one of those events that it seems like it would be like, you don't really know how to prepare yourself until you've done it. And so the fact that you've Mm -hmm. been able to do it as the traveling reserve and really maybe be able to do it in like a slightly lower pressure situation Mm -hmm. um, and and be able to see everything, experience everything and all the logistics. um, I feel like we'll make, you know, the, the next time be that much more seamless. Yeah. And you know, I still, I still felt the pressure for all of them. So like, I remember after, after dressage day, when everybody went so well, like everybody would come out of the ring and they'd be so happy. And I'd be like, I'm going to cry right now. Like this makes me so happy that they they did well. Like they're so happy. Like just like a lot of emotions. And um, it was just, you know, it was, it was great to be in a low pressure situation. Um, But I, I still, I felt the pressure for them, but it's nice to be able to feel that and prepare. Right. What was the most surprising thing about traveling for the team that you experienced? I don't think anything really surprised me, only only because I, I had recently flown over um, to be a part of a Nations Cup last fall. And so like flying over there, you know, things are pretty similar. I wouldn't say that anything was really different. The whole USEF staff, though, they had all the logistics, mm-hmm. the coordination, like the coordinating of everything. I have no idea how they do all that but it is amazing because everything wow. ran so smoothly you know they had everybody's flights everybody got there at the same time you know everything was very well handled and it was just a seamless you're leaving in america and here you are in south america and now you're at the venue it was very very seamless I'm so excited to talk about this brand. They are brand new and they have nano CBD products for cats, dogs, horses, but also for us equestrians. The CEO started really with having chronic back pain and was trying to find ways to relieve that and still be able to ride and feel good in the saddle. As you may or may not know, CBD can really help with pain, inflammation, anxiety, and stress, which 
I would say at times all of us have. So these products are really, really incredible. You can get a sample kit, which really gives the, the full spectrum of products, which I really like. I've been through two now. And the sample box includes the Relief Muscle and Joint Gel, which is like a roll-on gel, and it has a thousand milligrams of CBD per ounce. But what I really love are their Riders Relief Vegan Gummies. It's like a 30 count pack and you you know can decide up to 25 milligrams to 50 milligrams and um, really just as a is a good way with less calories and less sugar but a good amount of CBD um, they also have dog treats and more muscle and joint relief so they really do have some incredible products that are specifically catered to horses, dogs, cats, but also equestrians um, with the owner, Emily, being an equestrian herself. So I really, really highly recommend this product. It is Rider's Relief. So for more information, they are just launching and really took the time to launch um, to really come out with some clean and really effective products. So for more information, visit their website at ridersrelief.com. That's R-I-D-E-R-S relief.com. I was, as I was kind of doing research for this interview, I was reading an article from several years ago uh, where you discuss your goal of competing for Team USA at an international level. So how does it feel to kind of be, you're at a point in your career where that's becoming a reality? It's, it's so crazy to look back as to where I thought I would be mm. because I went to college and I, I was a full-time student and I, you know, would fly in and out to do the horses. And looking back on my, you know, 22, 23, 24-year-old self, and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. You know, I had these goals, but I didn't know how I could would be able to get there with school. And looking back on that now, I... It, it amazes me and I'm so happy to be where I am now. And it just makes me appreciate where I came from, especially in my headspace, because when I was younger, still in school, I really, you know, I didn't know what my path was. I've always had the same goals and ambitions. However, I didn't necessarily know how to, you know, get from point A to point B. And not that the path is incredibly clear now. However, I'm starting to build up you know, a string of horses. I have my home base now in Ocala, Florida. You know, I've been on these two team experiences and I'm starting to understand, you know, what is what people are looking for and what is required. And mm -hmm. having all those experiences now, I think have really set me up to continue moving forward. And I, um, you know, start thinking in the what's what games is in you know two years what's in three what's right. in four what's in five and so forth um so it's just a change of mindset almost but it's crazy you know people say stop and you know think back to you two years ago you would have never thought you know you'd be where you are which is mm -hmm. incredibly true so I am very very happy with the path that I am on and I hope to continue nicely forward <laughs> That's so cool. That's so exciting. Um, tell me a little bit about your current string of horses. What are they like? What 
how do you kind of navigate the, um, obviously with eventing, you have three different areas and three different kind of disciplines within the discipline. So what do you kind mm-hmm. of do to maybe dictate based on horses, strong suits and and training and, and that dynamic? So in my barn right now, um, Oscar is my top horse. He is 14 years old. And then I have Cornelius Bow. He is um, nine. I have a eight-year-old. His name is Keep Calm. I have a seven-year-old. Her name is Karag Sean. I have a five-year-old named Kron Prinzessin. I have another five-year-old that I actually just purchased from Kelly Hutchinson, HSH, look at me. And then I did partake in the Go for Gold, the Gores Bridge Go for Gold auction that mm. happened uh, this week. And I bought a three-year-old. Nice. And I do have a homebred out of my first four-star mare. That is also three. Wow. That's so awesome. that's that's kind of the, the lineup that I have right now. And, um, you know, when you are looking at event horses, you know, they all, everybody says you want a certain amount of thoroughbred blood, but nowadays you want the blood, but you also need the movement for dressage. But then, you know, you also want them to be careful. So it's this specific type of horse that you're kind of looking for, but you know, they don't all have to be as a specific mold. Sometimes, you know, my, my mare, she jumps, not very, um, (laughs) You wouldn't look at it and be like, oh, I want to sit on that the way she jumps <laughs> with her front end. But she's actually quite careful. Like mm. she knows where her legs are. She just she would prefer to go up instead of tuck her legs. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that as the jumps get bigger, those that changes. But, you know, everybody has a certain type that they're looking for in their own event horse, their own event horse. I would right. say the horses in my string are kind of all over the place. They have blood in them. You know, some of them are on the lower end of like 40 and then some are 75. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my thought is I would like to have a string of horses that is diverse. So they don't necessarily need to be, you know, a long format horse, but they could be a really great for short horse or mm-hmm. like a showcase horse. And then, you know, one horse might be a really good for a long horse but it might not be a five-star horse, but still gaining all that experience um, just from the different horses. I find yeah. that really valuable because I only have, like I've had, you know, my two advanced horses, Bliss and Oscar. So I, I really don't have that much, that many miles underneath like the four-star level between the two of them. So I think for me right now, just thinking about and producing the horses to whatever they're comfortable with and gaining the mileage out of that. And then, you know, if they want to be a five-star horse. That's great. Or if they just want to be, you know, for a long horse and maybe make, go on some nation cup teams and stuff like that, that's totally fine with me as well. But, you know, some people out there just want to have five-star horses in their barn, which is totally fine. But I think where I'm at right now, I just kind of need to have a little diversity in my string so that, you know, I can focus on still getting um, the mileage that I would like to have. Right. It allows you to get more diverse experiences. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Totally. What would you say that you are most looking forward to in this next year? I would love to go over to Europe. 
I'm really looking forward to moving up to the five-star level. Hopefully, knock on wood, everything, you know, continues to go well this fall for Oscar. I'd like to move him up to the five, five-star level at Kentucky this spring and maybe um, go over go overseas to do a five-star this next fall. Um, and then I'll move Cornelius Bow up to the advanced level. So that's just between the two of them. It's pretty exciting for me. Cornelius will have been the third or fourth horse that I've produced up to the advanced level. And that's super important to me. And mm-hmm. I, I feel very proud of that. And then obviously, you know, the Olympics, it's a, it's a big year and um, being able to, you know, watch all of that and cheer on, on team USA is it's going to be an exciting year. Yeah. That's so cool. What would you say is something you're passionate about in the industry? You feel people either don't talk a lot about or don't know enough about. I think this, I think people talk about it a lot and I think people know about it. They just don't know how to execute it. And I'm just learning about it. And it's the, um, like the groundwork that you do with the horses Mm -hmm. and like the, all the natural horsemanship stuff that you can do on the long line, um, in the round pin and like the body language and just how all of that, um, your body language makes like the biggest difference when you're just lunging a horse around and you might not even realize it. I was not aware that aware of it, um, until I sent one of my horses off to, um, have some groundwork lessons with somebody in the Ocala area. And he taught me a lot. And I was like, wow, I just had no idea that that little change in your body, you know, will do that. And, um, so I think, I think people obviously know about the natural horsemanship stuff and they talk about it, but I don't think enough of us know how to go about it. At least I don't. Hmm. I'm learning. Yeah. I'm in the yeah. process of learning, and but it's, it's very, so, very, very interesting to me. Yeah. And it's so difficult because I think at first glance, it all seems great to incorporate, but I think a lot of us struggle with finding time to incorporate all the things that we would want to mm-hmm. add to our horses training program. That for me as um, a hunter jumper yeah. trainer mm-hmm. is uh, is a hard struggle. It's like, yeah, of course, like that sounds like so good and so helpful. But like, I feel like completely fill my day just riding and teaching, and and then and then before I know it, it's six o'clock, and it's like, well, <laughs> there goes another yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I know. It's... Squeezing it in because you have to be, you know, based off watching him work with one of my horses, you know, you have to come out and do it every single day. And sometimes the time just doesn't allow for it. Right. Right. So I think finding like little ways to incorporate it into your current regime, I think is a great way to start. I've had several um, natural horsemanship um, episodes on the podcast and just hearing about it and all of the benefits of even just like um, not only just like physically, but like mentally, and then your relationship with the horse, there's so many benefits for it. So I, I, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really good one. I think people have been talking about it more and more, but finding ways to um, start integrating it into every discipline, I think is going to be key. Yeah, yep, yeah, I totally agree. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on your career and your program is so excited to watch right now. And um, we'll just continue to watch and follow your journey. But I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. 
All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.